0: Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you
1: live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of crazyperfectlife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon.
0: Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a 7 time cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten.
1: So this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Crush Cancer online course, a 10-module online program that you can watch from your home. It's little videos with worksheets that go along with each module. It is regularly $197, but with your coupon code THRIVE. You will receive 50% off and that means you will get the whole course for $99. The 10 modules talk about things such as you didn't ask for cancer but now we have to deal with it, to thinking about yourself as a survivor, establishing a mantra, physical and emotional changes, fear versus faith, creating a daily self-care practice, and so many more things. You can check it out by going to crazyperfectlife.com and clicking on the Crush Cancer online course.
0: We have an awesome special guest this morning. I'm so excited to introduce our listeners to Brian Goulet. He is founder, is that right? Co-founder. Co-founder. With my wife. (laughs) Brian and his wife. Co-founder of the Goulet Pen Company. And what's really appropriate about this podcast today is that it's also back to school season. So as everybody's kind of moving back into that mode of having to write and do homework and maybe put a a note in their children's lunch, uh, I thought it would be a really cool thing to introduce our guest, Brian. And so this is what I have to say. And I don't know if any of this is true, but in my head, this is kind of like the backstory that I have about Brian and his company. So when people ask me about my fascination with writing, And somehow the Goulet Pen Company comes up. I say, yeah, you know, did you know, like one of the country's biggest and best pen and ink companies is right here in Richmond. They're just right down the road (laughs) from where I live. And to be honest, I don't even know if that's true. But in my mind, right, this is like the go-to
2: place for pen and ink. And I hope that I'm not embellishing too much. You know, I think, I think well, I appreciate that. I think there's an element of truth to that. Specifically, if you're talking about fountain pens, we're a, like, kind of a boutique online seller of fountain pens, ink, and paper. So, like anything, if you get narrow enough in your niche, you can be number one pretty easily, right? But yeah, I would say that's probably pretty true. I probably
0: have the world's largest cancer patient Star Wars shirt collection.
2: Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because that's so narrow. You can pretty confidently say that's the case. That's awesome. Well, so, Brian, welcome. Thank you. you.
1: We are so glad to have you today. So, you know, it's kind of funny because my husband is into pens and fountain pens and inks and all that. And he has been ordering from your company for a long time. And then we discovered that like Garth was into this whole thing, too. And it's just like so beautiful that I'm from Richmond and y'all are in Richmond. And I don't know. I just I love that. It feels like it was just, you were meant to be on our podcast today.
2: That's amazing. I feel the same way. Yeah. So I have a, did a little bit
0: of research on what I wanted to talk about today and how I wanted to introduce Brian to our guests. And so Brian, one of the things that, you know, both Dara and I are cancer survivors, our podcast is not necessarily about cancer survivorship. That's just the lens that we look at things through. Sure. sure. But it's really about Perseverance and success, and how do you make the most of your life no matter what your situation? Mm-hmm. And so, we're going to start out with a really, really easy question. <laughs> so, if I were to come to your house for dinner, okay what's like your go to
2: meal that you make for people? <laughs> oh, uh, I got a couple of them. Uh, so, my wife and I, we have two kids, we work a lot. So, I'm very much into like one pan meals and crock pot meals and things like that. We got a pretty mean like Southwest chicken crock pot that we'll do that's really easy to make. You know, it's literally just chicken like can of corn, can of beans, can of salsa. And that's pretty much it. And it comes out Mm -hmm. amazing. Throw some cheese on it like five minutes before you take it out and it tastes awesome. And then you can dress it up with whatever other kind of things you want cilantro and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty great. We also do like a deconstructed stuffed pepper like stuffed bell pepper. We basically it was too much work to stuff them and cook them in the oven and all that stuff. I was like, "Why don't we just chop up the peppers and just throw it all in like a cast iron pan with the meat and the beans and all that stuff?" And it's great. We make it like pretty much every week and I make extra so there's leftovers. So I eat it like four or five meals a week. That's awesome. <laughs> See, that was an easy thing.
1: Yeah. So, how old are your kids?
2: My kids, my son is 9 and my daughter is 7.
1: Oh, so they still like you.
2: They do. I'm like their hero.
1: Oh, yeah. nice! It's
2: great, I'm, I'm loving this phase. May not last yes. forever, but I'm, lo- I'm stay
1: in that it. space for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: That's my plan. You know, I, I have to say, so Emma's almost twenty. I know that for the most part, I would say that I've been ninety-nine percent the good dad in her eyes. Yeah, there's only been there have only been a couple of times <laughs> where I've really either messed up, or we've come to such blows that it was just a really bad situation and we quickly resolved that Mm -hmm. Um, I I remember the first time she bought a two piece bathing suit and I was I had to veto it and there was a lot of crying and and Emma was upset too Um, and it was just you know but we got over that pretty quickly now I think it's really different with moms and daughters
1: it, it i think mm. it's totally different with moms and daughters yeah 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 for sure i have two teenage daughter well one is almost 20 and the other is seven almost 17 so and we're super close and we have nothing but fun but you know every once in a while we know how to push each other's buttons sure. and that's what mothers and daughters do it's mm. okay mm-hmm. yeah
0: so one of the things that i love most about Goulet pens is that and, and this is just how I view your company personally. I don't know if this is in your company mantra or anything like that, but you educate your customers about the types of pens and inks that are out there. But it's not just pens and ink, It's, it's what happens once you have the pens and inks. Whether it's writing in a journal or writing people letters, it's that permanence of, I've written something down and so those words carry weight Mm -hmm. And that for me, and Dara is a big, big journaler. And so we both have this affinity for the written word. And although we're both authors, that's not what we're talking about. It's just like (laughs) your handwriting and what does that mean and and where does that piece of paper go after you've had a chance to put your words to paper? Yeah. And that's what this it, it, again, I know I'm making all of these things up on the fly for you, sure, sure. but like that's how I view your company. You're enabling people to to write have that become a permanent record somewhere.
1: It's almost like a legacy. So, I shared with Garth that I went to sleepaway camp from the time I was 9 years old and my mom and my grandmothers sent me letters when I was at camp and these letters continued. So from the time I was nine until the time I graduated from college and I got letters. And every single summer, I started putting the letters in a Ziploc bag. And then I would come home the following summer and I just knew that the letters from that summer went into that Ziploc bag. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of continued. And recently I, was able for the first time to go back and read those letters from my adult perspective. And I've lost my mom and my grandmothers. So they've all passed away. May they rest in peace. And there's been something so incredibly beautiful about seeing their handwriting and their words to me from the time I was a child until I graduated from college through my adult perspective. Mm. And that's what, writing handwritten notes gives people it's almost like a legacy of love if you will and I think that's so beautiful and there's nothing Garth and I like more than writing with a real pen on paper and just writing little notes to people that you love and that you care about whether or not that's putting a napkin note in a lunchbox or you know writing your spouse a note and putting it on their car seat or leaving a note on their pillow I think it's just taking the time to tell people that you love how you feel about them mm,
2: that's really cool and it's it's great for me being in this business the business of writing if you will uh, because I get to hear cool stories like that all the time there's a lot of reasons why people get into pens or fountain pens specifically I think part of the reason there's such a passionate community of people around fountain pens is because There's so many other more convenient ways, if you will, I use that in quotations, uh, Mm -hmm. to get a message across to someone or to write something down and document it somehow. You know, there's a little bit of hassle involved. These are specialized products. They're not available at every store. You got to understand how to use them and clean them and maintain them and you get special ink and all this type of stuff. So there's a kind of a barrier to entry to get into Mm -hmm. this wonderful world, but if you really enjoy that experience of writing, it really can't be topped, you know, than having a fountain pen. And that's kind of what ultimately led me to it. Because my background is I was a woodworker. So I started Mm. making pens out of wood for gift items and things like that. So I had a passion for craftsmanship. And so I was making rollerball pens and they came with these terrible, you know, ballpoint refills that didn't write very well. So I would chuck all those and I'd put in gel rollerball refills that were the smoothest writing I could find because I wanted people to actually write with these pens because I knew that that was important. Well, the economy crashed in 2008, 2009. That forced me to rethink my whole deal about pens because corporate gifts and these types of things weren't popular around that Mm -hmm. time. So I was looking for a community of people that were actually writing with pens. That's what led me into fountain pens and I just discovered this whole magical community of people that are really into pens. And thus, they are much more intentional about what they write, why they write, who they write to. You know, there could be a lot of reasons why people are into it. It could be, you know, they just are collectors. They're really into the craftsmanship of the the products themselves. Most of the companies that are around making fountain pens have been around for decades. And it might be a multi-generational family business that's, you know, in... Italy, or Germany, or Japan, or or France, or, you know, so these kind of these more these old world kind of stories of craftsmanship and manufacturing are the companies that are behind most of these pens. So there's kind of a romanticism just around the pens themselves. But then the people that use them also, there's a lot of intentionality behind why people use fountain pens. So I get to hear all kinds of amazing stories about what people are doing with them, why they write with them. I've heard everything from... You know, somebody, they're in the military and they're trying to communicate what they're seeing to their fiancé overseas, you know. And, and so they're writing letters back and forth to each other. And, you know, one of the inks that we carry is a ink that can only, it's invisible and you can only see mm. the UV with a UV blacklight. So that story specifically. Which one is that? The, that's Blue New- Ghost. Yeah. yeah. So they would write the, the regular message send it and then like all the army buddies or whatever would would read the regular message but then the secret you know more intimate message was written in that ink that only could be seen by blacklight so you know you get cool little stories like that and then of course as their story progresses they'll have those letters to refer to their kids will see them and so you know you can save old emails you know and print them or whatever But it's
1: not the same it doesn't feel the same yeah Yeah, I agree. Know. And then text messages, I mean, they get lost Oh yeah. and I mean, that's the media I'm thinking about you. Hey, how are you? But there's nothing you're not saving anything and it's not in someone's handwriting.
0: I kind of liken it to the proliferation of pictures today. So I have a couple of scrapbooks that Emma and Lisa have made for me over the years of various events or things that we've done as a family. And it's really easy for me to reference those scrapbooks. Mm. But if you asked me to find a picture of my dog that I took four months ago, <laughs> you know, how many thousands of pictures have I put onto my phone since then? Right. And it's really impossible. And, and that day I might have taken 50 pictures of the dog until I got the one that was right. Mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult to find that. Whereas if you asked me to find a valentine that my daughter wrote to me in sixth grade, I would probably be able to find that in around a minute mm-hmm. because I know exactly where I've stored those, mm-hmm. and I might have I might guess the year wrong, but I know where all of those valentines are, mm-hmm. and it's really important to to kind of have that that legacy that family. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing: my daughter knows that what she wrote to me mattered. Right. Right. So imagine yeah. imagine waking up every morning knowing that. You matter, and something that you've built with your dad matters. All right. So, and it's it's a two way relationship, mm-hmm. right? So the things that I write to her, the things that she writes to me, we both understand that there's weight there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to joke about my my success rate as a napkin note writer, <laughs> you know, which is I think in Emma's junior year of high school, it was my success rate was worse than the Cleveland Browns football record. <laughs> only, uh, only
1: you would even know that, though.
0: Well, so, I, I mean, I, I, I had to come up with something that was good, and everybody knew how bad the Cleveland Browns, yeah. Browns were that year. Um, they won one game, right, wow. or the year before they had won one game. And my success rate, and I joke about this, was 2.8%. Wow. And success for me was that Emma deemed the note worthy enough to come back home from school. And so there were three notes that got tacked back up on the kitchen cork board. Mm-hmm. There was one note that sits on her dresser, and then there was one note, I can't remember where she stored it, but so there were five notes out of about 180 that I wrote that year wow. that came back. Hmm. and And I don't know, I mean, I know one of them was, I knew that one was definitely coming back. Yeah. But if you had asked me those other three, I wouldn't have said that they were cork board worthy. right? But just for that reason, that day, mm. the note meant something to her, and so mm. it came back. You know, she, she did her best to not stain it with coffee or salad dressing, right. and mm. it came back. And that's, you know, when you talk about success, most people wouldn't look at 2.8 as a great number. Well, for me,
2: it's, <laughs> I, I'm really happy. You might have the highest success rate of any napkin note right there. There, there it is. Well, <laughs> and, and, and here's the is that my success
0: would have been zero had I not been getting up to bat every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, I love that.
0: Right? And, and you know what happened this morning? So I, I was here um, last week and um, got to meet the, the staff and the team and give a little talk. And that morning I was so kind of discombobulated and I was having a really bad morning I forgot to write Emma a note, and you know what? This morning, same thing was going on. I don't know what it is about trying to come out here. <laughs> oh no! I'm like, I'm halfway out the door, and I thought, holy crap! And I run back inside, and I'm like, oh, I, I knew was I know what I was going to write anyway today. So you know, I found a, a pen, and and I have a stack of blank napkins on my desk, so that was handy. There you go. And I was quickly, you know, put it next to her lunch before before I left. But it's that discipline of, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And she might come home today and say, Dad, you know, this was an average note. <laughs> and she won't pull any punches, but she also might not say anything. Right? But again, every once in a while, I see that the note has been stored somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. She's, she brings it and puts it back up on her dresser, or she's saved it. And that doesn't happen unless you have a lot of bad ones behind it. Mm -hmm. Or or let's say, you know, average ones. Right.
1: So, Brian, do you write handwritten notes to your wife or your kids? And, I mean, have you been doing that?
2: I do. Not with the the vigor that Garth does here. Well, Garth is in a
1: separate, (laughs) Garth is in a very special space.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I will do that. I am much more kind of impulsive and sporadic about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I have written some... Napkin notes to my kids since Garth mm-hmm. came and talked to us. Yeah, uh, and uh, I didn't, I didn't get anything corkboarded or, or no feedback. So my success rate's zero percent by your standards. So you're, you're doing better than me. Um, but I think
1: uh, just the fact that you did it is pretty darn awesome. Yeah. So you know, it's like you know,
2: a good friend of mine. His name is Jake Wideman, He's a master penman, calligrapher, artist. Garth, since you can see it, he did that artwork right there. Holy have, cow! Hanging up That's in the awesome. office. Yeah, JakeWideman.com, big fan of his. But anyway, so I interviewed him. I've looked up to his work for a long time because he is kind of a renaissance man and a very inspiring artist. And I was like, you know, handwriting is something that it's probably the number one thing that I get feedback about when I tell people I'm in the, the pen business or whatever. People say, well, I don't want a nice pen because my handwriting's so bad, or I don't want to write in this journal because I don't feel like I have anything worth saving. Or, like, my thoughts aren't important enough to write on nice paper with ink and all that kind of stuff. Which is so funny because people will spend $1,000 on a new phone that is no good in two years. But they don't want to spend, you know, 10 cents on a nice piece of paper to write a thought. So it's kind of funny how we make excuses for ourselves sometimes. And
1: that's the whole thing. We just make excuses. Because a lot of times people don't want to start journaling because, you know what, they're not ready to think about, they don't want to think about the thoughts that they have or they're not ready to face them. Or, you know, a lot of times once you start writing, it all comes out. And when it comes out and you can see it on paper with, you know, in the written word, if you will, then it's there. And then maybe you have to deal with it. And maybe you don't want to deal with it.
0: I think staring at a blank piece of paper is probably one of the biggest mental challenges that people have. Mm -hmm. and and it's not even a writer's block it's that what I'm about to do matters and it becomes permanent and if I'm being honest with myself Mm -hmm. and the person who's going to be reading it that's suddenly it's serious yeah blank paper is is a daunting hurdle it can be for sure
1: I look at it differently I look at a blank piece of paper as look at the opportunity wow Mm -hmm. I'm starting over I have a fresh piece of paper I can create anything I want You know, like for me, I like nothing more than like having a brand new journal because it's a brand new space to all the cool things that could happen in that journal. And I don't say that any of my journals actually. They are, I enjoy them, I write all my stuff down and then I don't want to say them and nobody else needs to read them. Hmm. They're my own personal thoughts.
0: Hmm. Well, I think part of what we're talking about too is just that intentionality.
1: Yeah. Of,
0: yeah. And I say this a lot. Both Dara and I have moderately successful books, um, mm. and people have a tendency to ask us questions about authoring. Mm. And and I like to say I'm not really an author. I wrote a book. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself an author quite yet. But I had less than 90 days to write my book mm. when I when I had to write it, and I had to be very intentional. But part of that was that I now have this practice of. Writing about 800 words a day mm. because that's how many I had to write back then to get the book done in time. I see. And 800 words isn't all that much. It's about a page mm-hmm. and a half. Mm. I can honestly say that 320 or 330 days last year, what I wrote was not fit for human consumption. <laughs> it what yeah, I mean. It just it was bad, or I was rambling, or I hadn't given it much thought. But the other 30 days mm. or so of that year were pretty okay. Mm. And I had to go through that other ones and make it a daily practice to, to get something that might be worthy of sharing at that point.
2: Yeah. And that makes sense. And I never completed my thought a second ago. I have ADD, so my thoughts jump around. Right <laughs> Welcome uh, to the club. Yeah. We, exactly. we don't
1: have that, but we, we, we jump around all the time. <laughs> Fair
2: enough. Fair enough. The reason I mentioned Jake when I did his interview, you know, I asked him, like, From a master calligrapher here, like, what's your advice on somebody? You know, you could look at somebody like his work and say, uh, why should I even bother? Like, I'm never going to be able to do that. But like, or for the person that's like, you know, I do want to improve my handwriting or I want to write something worth saving. Where do I start? And his phrase that I loved so much was, it's not that practice makes perfect. It's that practice makes progress. So, no matter where you start, if you practice, it's going to get better. If your handwriting is terrible, even not doing like specific, hard, like detailed practice, if you just write more, you're going to get better handwriting just because you're doing it more. You know, and it's the same thing if you're writing notes to people or letters to people, your thoughts are going to get more. Uh, succinct, yeah Organized, and and, yeah. yeah. you'll you'll get better at doing it because you're practicing so dar and i were talking
0: last week and i already shared this note with her but i, I wrote this note to emma last week and it's exactly what you just said mm. um and the note is you can always edit a bad page mm. you can't edit a blank page oh I, like I love
1: that so much like yeah that. isn't that great
0: yeah i like that a lot well, so you had commented earlier about there's a perceived barrier to entry sure. to fountain pens. Yeah. Although I agree with you, I grew up in a family that used like old fashioned felt tip pens. I think that's right. what my dad used for sure, checks sure. and whatnot. Oh yeah,
2: my dad was the same way. Yeah.
0: And you know, with pressure, they would eventually they would stop writing before they ran out of ink because right. the, <laughs> the, the whatever tip just deteriorated. Right. But then when I was 16, I was an exchange student in Germany, and everybody used fountain pens there. It was required to use a fountain pen in school. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, there was even like a special pen that I had to erase the ink.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. I,
0: And I don't remember that part of it really well. It's called an ink
2: eradicator. Yeah, they use that specifically for school they in, in parts of europe they use a specific shade of blue right that you can use almost sort of like a white to kind of cover it up mm. and then it has a matching blue ink in this eradicator oh and
0: that's right and you day. and you would flip over you, the, the flip it over and you could write right.
2: and, and correct it
0: and mm. you had to you couldn't it wasn't a choice you had to write your homework using a fountain pen mm. you had to write your tests using a fountain pen and so, you know, these wow. graders were doing it. And, mm-hmm. and I was in 11th grade, and I had to learn how to use a fountain pen mm-hmm. as an 11th grader. And so whatever barrier to entry was kind of demolished at that point by saying, you have to. Right. And so people don't need to start with a $1,000 fountain pen. No. So what advice would you give to somebody who wants to be intentional about their writing and they would like to start using a not disposable pen sure right and on a side note i'm not like super off the grid living with solar panels and using my own water (laughs) but i did a little bit of research for this and just in the united states disposable pens contribute 16 million pounds of refuse a year Mm -hmm. yeah so we're
1: not using straws anymore so why are we using disposable pens
0: so if Mm -hmm. you were giving advice to somebody who wanted to Either dip their toe in the water or jump in head first. Sure.
2: How would you get them started? I mean, obviously, I think fountain pens are like the end all be all to the writing experience, right? For a physical, tangible thing, I personally am very much behind that. Very biased, but uh, <laughs> that's just okay. how, that's just how I feel about it. So, but at the same time, I don't think that everybody needs to be like super dyed in the wool fountain pen expert to enjoy writing. Like most of us have accessibility to pens, you know, and to use really any pen, even if it's a disposable one, probably takes some degree of effort beyond texting or email or voice or whatever. So I would say just get in the practice of writing something by hand with whatever tools you have accessible to you. That's like step number one, easiest mode of entry. Borrow a pen from somebody, you can probably grab one at a restaurant, they'll let it take you, you know, get one at the bank, whatever, they can supply you if you don't have it. Accessibility to a writing implement and paper is probably easy for just about anybody to get in modern society. Just getting in the habit of that makes a difference. I'm a musician, and so I really believe that you use more of your brain when you are using an instrument, right? When you're Mm -hmm. playing an instrument. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed a lot of correlation to the brain, just in my own head, I'm not a scientist or anything, but and there's articles and stuff about this kind of thing. I can't cite any because I can't remember any of them. But I, in, even in my own head, in my own experience, when I'm writing something by hand and thinking and writing and processing, it feels similar to me as when I'm playing an instrument, that same just amount of brain activity that I'm doing. It's different than when you're talking or when you're, you know, typing The way you process it is different because of the motor skills that you're using in your hands. It makes you think a little bit differently. The pace of it is a little different. You have to think a little slower. Mm -hmm. You're physically bound by the speed at which you write. So you have to think things through a little bit more. It forces your brain to kind of slow down and you process what you're writing differently with whatever writing instrument you use. Now, if you're using a writing instrument you really enjoy, then you're going to be much more likely to want to practice, to want to write. That's where you can kind of get away from ballpoints maybe and start to get into roller balls, right? So like gel roller balls, it uses a different type of ink. It's a little more fluid. It runs out of ink a little quicker, but it's a smoother writing experience. And then if you really want to dive deep into the well, that's where fountain pens come in. Much more free flowing, so it's a water-based ink instead of a gel ink. And you can get one bottle of ink that'll last you a year or several years because you can write a lot with a bottle of fountain pen ink and the pen will last you more or less the rest of your life and probably be able to pass it on to your you know posterity right so you don't have to like you said spend a thousand dollars on a nice pen or many thousands on many nice pens you can get a five or twenty dollar pen that you would have paid for a pack of disposables anyway, and that pen can last you years and years and years, and you'll have a better experience writing in the meantime, which will then make you want to do it more. And then as you practice, you'll get better, and before you know it, you've got a better writing experience.
1: So if someone is listening to this podcast episode and they are thinking, huh, yeah, I never thought about that. I think I'd like to try not using a disposable pen, but -hmm. I'd like to kind of... Invest in something, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. I'm a beginner. Mm-hmm. What would be the pen that you carry that you think would be a great place for someone to start? Absolutely. Like, or what's your favorite pen to start for someone to start? For someone <laughs> yeah. to start.
2: I have roughly 875 different pens in my pen collection. <laughs> so to ask me which one is my favorite is like asking like, yeah. Is your favorite? Okay,
1: favorite I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> you know,
2: it's like <laughs> there's, there's so many uh, that I yeah. really love. No, but I think most people think, especially if they're very tangentially familiar with fountain pens, you think of like a Mont Blanc or something like that that's $800 and it's very prohibitive and very prestigious and all that kind of stuff. No, there's some very affordable, very accessible fountain pens that are out there. There are brands, Twisby is one that comes to mind, T-W-S-B-I is how it's spelled. Um, is that your
1: favorite pen, Garth? One.
2: So that's the pen that I received from, okay. from Goulet.
1: yeah. And
0: I absolutely fell in love with it when yeah. I started. Writing that's your it.
1: Fi- yeah. So my husband mm. actually has that pen also sure. that he got from you, and he loves it as well. So, yeah.
2: and
1: pretty, that's a pretty affordable pen, right?
2: It is a pretty affordable pen. They have they have several different versions of it, ranging in like the twenty dollar range up through okay. the, the fifty sixty dollar range for the nicer. So that
1: ones. could be a good place for someone listening to
2: start. For sure. There's other ones. I mean, I have videos that I've put out on this because I've gotten this so many times. Yeah. Put those in the show notes or something and I can- uh, Absolutely. We will
1: definitely link to the show notes.
2: Yeah. Part of the thing with fountain pens is like everybody's got a different hand position, different hand sizes and stuff like that. So there's a lot of very, very personal, kind of personalized preferences, I guess, for people that, which pens they really like to use. I mean, you can get pens like a Pilot Varsity, it's under $4, and it wow. comes pre oh, okay. and it's even, and you can use it right away. So, I mean, there's lots okay. of very, very, very accessible ways, pens in the sub $5 price okay. range. Well, you
0: ha- and you have a pen right now, it's, it's Shark Week, Yeah. Right. So the shark pens are really inexpensive. They are they're
2: fun. Yeah, they're four dollars a regular
0: price. I mean, can you imagine giving a shark pen to your six year old? (laughs) Right. And getting them into
2: fountain pens. Yeah, that's
1: amazing. Because
2: they also like sharks. My kids all both have shark pens and love Uh, them. They come in fun colours and they look like sharks. They're they're very fun. And they're actually decent writers for so what's
1: what's the most popular color of ink right now? Like what color ink are y'all selling the most of?
0: OK, so that kind of leads into a question that I had. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going I'm okay. to take over for a second. Gotcha. Um, because I, here's what I have found since I've begun to get into this world. And everybody listening knows we talk about this all the time. I'm a geek. And, it, <laughs> and it's not that I'm a Star Wars geek. Or that I'm a math geek. It's the definition of a geek is that when you decide that you like something, you dive deep. Mm. And I cannot tell you how many times I have fallen asleep at night looking at ink colors <laughs> because there are there's like it, it's infinity. Yeah, right? I mean there's there, a lot. <laughs> there, there's there's infinity <laughs> ink colors around. And so and and so I was thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing to come in today, and I, all I could think of is how do you show any type of resolve to to and so for those of you who have watched parks and recreation there's this scene where ron swanson goes into a diner and he orders a steak and the steak is it's it's like not even a real steak that he gets or something and he looks at the the waiter and he he turns it back and he's like bring me all of the eggs and bacon you have (laughs) and the waiter starts to turn away and he says wait wait I fear that you may have misunderstood me. Bring me all of the eggs okay. and bacon you have. And so I just imagine Brian like sitting around in his in his office here and he's like, especially for a new employee, like like there's a new team member that started and he's like, Hey Joe, bring me all of the ink. <laughs> right? How do you how do you not do that working, you know, twenty feet away from this warehouse with every ink
2: possible? Right. I mean, it is difficult, right? I mean, you look at my shelf over here. I have well over 200 bottles of ink in my personal collection. That is ones that I have felt worthy of keeping and not, you know, and I can access whatever else I need to. Plenty of pens, plenty of notebooks. I am definitely a dealer hooked on my own product, right?
1: But I love that. That's exactly as it should be.
2: it's, It's like you have to stay in business. Well, yes. for me, too, you got to understand, when I started this, because of the, the very specific nature of the way I started this business, uh, I was a craftsman, and then I discovered fountain pens after I'd started the business. So I pivoted my business to be mm-hmm. focused on fountain pens when I discovered them. So I didn't have a lifelong passion and interest in fountain pens. It was a process of discovery and enthusiasm, and I, I fell down the well just like many of our customers do, right? Mm-hmm. so. I actually kind of have become sort of an example of what it means to completely just go over the edge with this whole mountain experience. And so I have documented kind of my journey as I've done that. And what I like to tell people is now having been doing it for 10 years, spending more than full-time hours every week, I have easily spent a normal person's entire lifetime in what they would probably spend... Dealing with pens and ink in their everyday life, I've probably spent well over that in the time I've been running this business so far. So I can tell, every, and I have a lot more to learn and a lot more to experience. I haven't written with every single ink that we have. You know what I mean? So it's like literally I can enjoy this for the rest of my life doing it more than full time. It only gets a richer experience for me. And so I tell anybody who wants to get into it, like you as someone who's not doing it, 60 hours a week or whatever, you're probably going to easily be able to enjoy it and probably have a more enjoyable experience because I'm trying to like curate the path a little bit. You know, I didn't have a lot of great resources. There were forums and message boards and things like that, that kind of shared some information, but you had to kind of really parse through it all. There weren't a whole lot of videos. There weren't a whole lot of curated information. That's part of why I'm so passionate about doing videos and podcasts and these types of things, because anybody who's interested in this, it's not like, in Germany where you're just in fifth grade, you're using a fountain pen and you know how to use it and clean it and all that. Most adults in America today have never used a fountain pen or if they did, it was 30, 40 years ago. So for most people, they need some guidance, they need some help. And so that really has been kind of a mission for our company is to help customers to have some of that guidance so that this amazing hobby and the art of writing can continue into the future more easily for the next generation that's what inspired us 10 years ago and that's kind of what we work towards every day well so you did, you still didn't answer the question what's your, what's your go-to <laughs> color i was hoping you wouldn't i was hoping you would ask i hope i could just throw enough words at you you would forget about it and we can move on no see i wrote um, it down on paper oh, so dang i'm okay. expecting an answer fair enough fair enough so my favorite color is blue that's the color of our company logo. That's not an accident. It was—it's that way because I have a very distinct memory of when I was in first grade. I had like the regular 16-pack of Crayola crayons or whatever, and it's all Not pretty the pretty. 64. No, I so didn't have the you 64. You had the 16. Pack. I had the 16. We didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, so I was thankful to have the 16. I had borrowed a friend's crayon or whatever—I don't know. Somebody else had the 64 or something, and there was a cerulean blue. That I used it. And I remember, this is one of the first memories I can actually go back and remember, but I remember using that cerulean blue crayon and just going, this is the most exciting color I've ever <clears> seen <throat> in my life. And then I remember I had borrowed it and I forgot the name of it and I never remembered what it was, but I had this memory of there was this blue that just lit me up inside, even at that early. I, was mm, six I years love old that. Maybe. And then it wasn't until probably 20 years later, close to it, maybe 15 years later, where I actually saw the crayon again with that same shade of blue. It might have been when I had my own kids. I don't know. I saw that same shade of crayon and I used it and it lit me up the same way. And I looked at the name of the crayon and it was Cerulean. And I was like, this is the crayon I've been looking for my entire life. And I was like, this is my blue. This is my shade. So. We made that our company color, and uh, you see there's blue all around our office. I'm I to, What
1: shade is it? Is it like a royal blue, or is it like a turquoise blue?
2: No, it's not a turquoise. It's a pretty pure blue. Okay. I would say like a okay. cobalt, kind of a royal blue. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, like the wall behind you?
2: Very much so. Okay, very much so, so, so he has this beautiful
1: wall-painted yeah. blue that I am looking at right now, <laughs> for those of you who are just listening <laughs> exactly. and can't see.
0: Yep. So uh, I have to share something, and this is a memory that, because of your discussion, just popped into my head. And my mom said something last week to me, and I really kind of discounted what she had said. Mm. I thought that she was remembering something incorrectly. Mm. And if we hadn't had this conversation, I wouldn't remember this. Mm. So I was talking to my mom about Goulet pens. You know that your company has made an impact when I talked to my mom about <laughs> it, right? Um, I'm honored by that. And we were talking, and she said, Yeah, you know, I gave you that pen set you asked for a really expensive pen and your dad was upset that I spent that much money and I honestly couldn't remember ever receiving pens from my parents hmm. and so I started to dispute what she was saying and then I realized that it, it didn't really matter and hmm. that that I shouldn't go down that path and but I, I really kind of chucked it away and thought ah, you know, did she give me something like that for graduation? Why would she have done that? I was leaving for the Air Force Academy 10 days after graduation and didn't need a fountain pen. Mm. And it wasn't. I remember now, because of your passion about blue, mm. my parents gave me a calligraphy pen when I was probably 14 or 15, and one of the blues that it came with was peacock blue.
1: Mm i remember why, that color
0: well and i remember it now mm-hmm. because yeah. my girlfriend loved mm-hmm. that color and mm-hmm. i wrote her notes in that color yeah and that's a memory that's been tucked away yeah that i, I, have, love I if you had asked me yesterday <laughs> about peacock blue i don't know that i would have wow been able to pull that memory out it was a schaefer pen wasn't it because it schaefer, probably was schaefer peacock blue i like
1: totally remember that because i got that calligraphy set also oh. I remember that,
0: mm-hmm. and and our parents probably got it at, at that yeah. um, that weird gift store that
1: yeah I know what you're talking uh, about.
0: It's out of business now. It, think about this, like I mean, here we are talking about this mm-hmm. this pen set and this store that, that hasn't existed for 30 years. I mean that's how old we are. Let's face it. Yeah. And I had this thing about writing notes yeah, or me letters too. to my girlfriend back
2: then. Mm.
1: But I've always wanted to learn calligraphy, and I actually never I never did like. Do you know how to do calligraphy, Brian?
2: Uh, Not in the formal sense. I've practiced a little bit. Yeah, but
1: you have like your own like Brian calligraphy, like your own (laughs) sort of style, which is cool. Super I'm cool. A, I'm
2: not a master penman. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Uh, no. I'm not any of that kind of stuff. I, I do what makes me happy.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> you know what, <laughs> and that's exactly what we talk a lot about on this podcast: is mm-hmm. do what makes you happy. Yeah. There's no rules, you know. If there's a form of calligraphy that you like, do it. If there's an oh, ink shade that you love, go yeah. for it.
2: And I mean, there's actually a very fascinating history, especially in America, regarding calligraphy. There's a master penman. His name is Michael Saul. He has a book that we sell that's a handwriting practice book, but it has a Mm. ton of history in it, too. It's $20, and it's like 250 pages. It's a phenomenal deal. He's really not doing it to make money. He's doing it to help proliferate. I mean, he's trained the current White House calligrapher, and he's taught so many people calligraphy. He's Anyway, he's a a phenomenal guy, but um, there's all kinds of history of American cursive handwriting. That he gets into there, um, I would say right now the current state is a little bit less of people trying to learn the very formal traditional styles of calligraphy like Gothic and Copperplate and Spencerian and things like that. Right now the trend you're seeing, they're calling it, you know, hand lettering. Um, you see yeah. a lot of it on. If you go on Instagram, yeah. it's almost unignorable to find yeah. it somewhere. You see it on signs at Target and every. You know, it's it's pretty mainstream now. I would say. Um, so that I think is what people are more or less
1: calling calligraphy. I, that's what I was calling calligraphy, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is, do, great. it is. Do you have a? Um, do you use a calendar that is paper that you write in with a pen, or do you use a calendar that is online? I'm just curious.
2: No, this is a great question, and I do get asked this a lot because a lot of people think, you know, okay, I, I represent kind of the fountain pen world in a, in a way. So therefore, I must use them at every single possible yeah, time. Yeah, I'm just curious. And everyone, I t- like I won't talk to you unless you're holding a fountain pen in your hand. No. <laughs> I'm actually a very progressive in this way. Like I, I use digital tools. My memory okay. is like a goldfish. So I use OmniFocus as a tool. I'm very much behind the getting things done method with David Allen. Right, right. Um, so I use a lot of productivity tools. I've tried a lot of different things. For me, handwriting is something I do to enjoy, so I'll journal, I'll write things down uh-huh. just as a writing experience. It's obviously part of my job, so I do them to test pens and you know do things like that. I do them for notes that I'm leaving for other people. I do them a little bit less for productivity planning, mainly because if I can't see it, like right in front of me, I forget that it's there. So I've tried some bullet journaling and stuff like that, but I'm very disorganized. So like for me to even get things together in one journal, I'm like flipping pages constantly and I forget my place and all that kind of stuff. It's more of a frustrating experience for me personally. It's easier just to have like one inbox or something like that that I can go to or have a search bar, honestly, Mm -hmm. is what works for me. I also have an executive assistant because half the time even within my own system I can't remember what the heck is Mm -hmm. going on. Uh, My wife is also extremely organized and helps me out in my personal life so I need all the help I can get really but for me I use journals for kind of strategic planning and thinking. Mm -hmm. I use it more for like I love having a blank piece of paper and a blank Mm -hmm. page because I'm a very like futuristic kind of thinker so I like to have blankness so that I can just fill it out and just kind of spill out my thoughts Create. And then, and then I've kind of helped to process it and then I can move forward. It's a little less for keeping accurate records of things like Lord help my kids when they go through my journals, because they're going to be like, why does he have 17 different journals that he's skipped between on different days? And like, what is his thought? Pro-? Like, they're going to see how scattered my mind really is when they go to try to look through all of my journals <laughs> to see what the heck I've written down. So, so you
1: save your journals.
2: I do, yeah.
1: Okay, that's like, yeah.
2: I have um, I have a journal that I had ten years ago. Okay. When I was writing out the very first ideas for the blog, we've got two thousand different blog posts now, or something like that. We've written. I have the first list of ideas um, for the first eighty-six or whatever different blog posts of which I made two or three of those, you know. And I have yeah the first books that I was reading when I was starting this business and I was talking about you know, what this business could possibly be one day. And now I I'm looking that. back at that yeah. 10, years, 10 years later and I'm looking back and saying, wow, that's really remarkably accurate or wow, I was way <laughs> off the mark on this one. You know, it's kind of fascinating to see what my thought process was in my own handwriting. and it's it uh-huh. So for that kind of stuff, I think it's really cool. That's what I tend to use my writing for is more of the, the journaling, thought processing, strategic planning and thinking stuff it's a, and then i use it for like quick to do lists and stuff so i have like a, a tear away you know yeah. pad that i'll write things down and then i just tear the sheets off sure. and do that
0: so uh, it's interesting I, i'm very similar in that i love the digital world Mm-hmm. But what I've found is that, despite the fact that I have to manage two calendars—a work and a personal calendar—because mm-hmm. for some reason my work has deemed that I can't merge the yeah. Two calendars, yeah, and it makes it very difficult to to manage personal things along with what I've got going on at work. And so, even though I have these and I have reminders and whatnot, I also like to write my calendar, mm-hmm. and that's part of a memory, okay, a memory thing for me, right? So, mm-hmm. so I sit down at the end of a, of a week, and so I write out what I've got going on the next week. And I actually color code, too, right? So a dark blue is work, because that's the company color. Mm. Orange is personal, because I like orange as a creative color. Yeah. Red is something that I really can't miss, mm. and it's because I'm in charge of and if I don't show up, there's 20 other people there waiting <laughs> for me. <laughs> but And I do that every week. I find it really satisfying to also just have this visually and I, sure. and I this is literally like this is my this week calendar and yeah. this is my orange folder which I carry things in that mm. this is important for me today That's awesome. um, and I also use this product called rocket book which I'm really at an impasse at this point because mm. um, you use special ink pens right in this rocket book and mm-hmm. it's a, it's literally a spiral bound notebook, mm-hmm. but you can also download their pages for free, okay. and we'll put a link in the show notes for that. So if you wanted to try RocketBook for free, you can do that. You just download the PDF and print it out.
2: I think I'm familiar with this notebook. Don't you use a, the Pilot Friction pen Yeah, so you can you basically erase. And, and that then and you
0: and you put the, mm-hmm. the the notebook in the microwave afterwards when you when you filled it up, and it erases it. But mm-hmm. and as you go along, you take a picture of each page, mm-hmm. right? So here here I'm at an impasse because. I like the notebook, I've already purchased the notebook, but I really want to use my special inks that I have now. Mm. And so I've just started downloading the page and I've just started printing out a few blank pages Mm. every day, because then I can check it off and take a picture of this with mm. their app, and it sends the page somewhere. Oh, that's cool. It's very cool, and if you send it to the right place, it also does handwriting recognition. Mm. So it indexes the page for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, and, and it works even with, I mean, you can see my handwriting is not all that fantastic, but it works with It's not with that this. bad. I've seen way worse. Well, I was a little <laughs> intentional, and also I was using a brand-new pen with brand-new ink. So I think that's the one thing for me, is that fountain pens bring out, an improvement of my
2: handwriting. Mm-hmm. I'm less likely to just scribble. Be yeah, because like you're
1: going do. slower. You're enjoying the process.
2: Yeah. I and that's I think that's why. interesting. You know, it's not necessarily, I mean, maybe the tool itself could be helpful. Maybe it's just the intentionality around the tool. Yeah. Maybe it's just in your own brain, you're being more intentional about what you're writing. I don't know. I haven't done any research on that specifically, but I hear that all the time and I've experienced that for myself. Immediately when I started using fountain pens, this is the craziest thing. I learned cursive in third grade, which they're not even teaching it anymore in schools, most schools. I never used cursive again after that, basically, uh, until the first time I used a fountain pen when I was 25. I inked it up and I started writing in print, and I was like, oh, this... I want to write cursive because the fountain pens are smooth and very flowy and you just want to you know you don't want to lift the pen so you just write in cursive at least a lot of people feel that way and that's the tug that I felt I hadn't written in cursive in I don't know 20 years almost I had to literally look up how to write certain letters again because I'd forgotten but Ever since then, when I write with a fountain pen, I'm compelled to write in cursive. And then when I use a regular like, gel pen or something, I write in print. How weird is that? That is very weird. It's just like a thing in my brain. Maybe it's just me, but it just like it compelled me literally to change my entire handwriting style... Because of the writing implements, so, so your kids in was. fact will
0: not be able to read your stuff because mm-hmm. they won't know how to read cursive by the time they're adults. Well, they're learning
2: because we're teaching them, right? Mm, so I love that. The school's not teaching them. Yeah, but, you know, we carry a couple of you know products here that help with instruction uh, for cursive handwriting. Um, you know, but I'm not going to get into governmental lobbying and these types of things. That's outside my wheelhouse. Yeah. But we yeah. will provide the products to people that feel passionate about having their kids cursive so
0: last week when I went home after our time here I I was really excited to show Emma my new pen and Emma is the one person that I will absolutely not only show her something like that but I'll let her use it I know I know a lot of people are very tentative about letting somebody else use their fountain pen mm-hmm. and for a lot of different reasons sure but I introduced Emma to fountain pens this past Christmas and and gave her one, and got a couple of ink samples so she could try it out. I know that she knows the process a little bit, and I didn't hesitate to give her this pen. And I said, hey, write something with this. And I really wanted to show her the ink color more than anything. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, I have the pen actually, yeah, here. So I said, write something with this. And this is what she did. She took the pen, and I had just inked it. And I used it myself, so I know that the ink was ready to go. And this is what she wrote. And her handwriting, I didn't bring it because her handwriting absolutely looks like an eight-year-old boy's <laughs> It is awful. <laughs> and I didn't want to embarrass her, although anybody listening on the podcast knows. Um, because
1: the reality been. of it is, our kids don't write very often. That's true. They use technology. But, That's why.
0: So, this is what she wrote though. She, I said, write something. So she did this. She wrote the word write as incorrect, <laughs> And then, and I thought, hey, and so I was like, oh, I think this is going to be the new napkin notes logo because we Well, used-
1: I, now I want to see it yeah, and I well, want to know what you're so, talking about. As do so our listeners.
0: It's right. Right. So right yeah. as in correct, And then or right as in right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I misspelled this. So my chemo brain took over.
1: I'm sort of confused right now. Garth.
0: Right. W. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> R.I.G.H.T. So the napkin notes tagline is pack right connect. Mm. Right. So pack your kids lunch write a note mm-hmm. and connect with your kid mm-hmm. and i always liked the fact that it was simple it's three words but this is even two words so it's mm-hmm. simpler and it's write question mark and then write so write wr yeah i get it, I get it. Mark, and then write exclamation mark yeah so write right nice. and, and i'm like emma you just saved me hours worth of brainstorming <laughs> and i love it right and <laughs> and i've saved it for her for her posterity because her handwriting is in that example is really poor and not that mine is much better but I was like oh yeah that's this is a perfect a perfect way to say you know what writing is right yeah like Brian's tagline is right on yeah Um, I like
1: that so much I love that very cool so Brian a lot of times we ask our guests to share a thriving tip which is just a little nugget of goodness for our listeners to take with them after they listen and so totally putting you on the spot but do you have a little thriving tip something that you feel like our listeners would want to know just a little tip to help them thrive at their life it could be anything
2: yeah i'm a big fan of gratitude express gratitude is one of our company values
1: love Um, that so much
2: i think i think there's so many different ways that that can take shape i've done some research and talked to many people who obviously are using writing as part of their life i have heard having a gratitude journal or a gratitude log especially for people who have any type of anxiety or depression or any of that which is you know my wife has anxiety i have add Everybody's got stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I have heard so many examples of gratitude being a total game changer in people's lives. And one of the the best things that I think people who are really into fountain pens or just want to are curious about writing in general, they say, "Well, I don't really know what to write or whatever." I'm like, start a gratitude journal or a gratitude log. Like, just write, you know, five things a day that you see in your life that you're thankful for or 10 things or whatever whatever number you choose one thing whatever it is or just you know free flow it write something little every day that you're grateful for and I'm a big proponent of the more you express gratitude the more things you'll have to be grateful for so i think some of that will actually change the way that you see things happening in your life if you start to just orient your own mind towards gratitude you will start to see more things that are happening, that maybe we're already there to be grateful for, and it can actually change your whole mindset. So that would be my thriving tip. Is to start okay. That's a kick-ass
1: thriving tip, and um, <laughs> one that is so in line with the Thrive Podcast because, and, and you,
0: frankly, is probably fifty percent of our themes. I over mean, the past we love years. it so
1: much, and research shows. I mean, really, gratitude is like the vitamin of life.
0: Absolutely. Really? And I know Doris heard the story already, and I think I might have even mentioned it on the podcast, but Emma was experiencing some pretty deep anxiety as she was coming into finals last semester. Mm-hmm. And she has to maintain a pretty high GPA in order to retain her scholarship. Mm. And so it's not just getting the grades, it's the, how do I pay for school if I don't get the grades? For sure. And so there was a lot of weight on her shoulders about that. And I said, hey, look, let's forget about the grades and let's forget about the work. Let's practice what you know that you need to do to get through finals. Mm -hmm. However, what I want you to do before you leave your room this morning, I want you to come up with three things that you're thankful for that day. There you go. And then at the end of the day, you need to tell me what they were. And then the next day, we repeat. And suddenly there was this ease that happened with her. And I'll be honest, you know, one of the things that I like about this practice is that I have a pretty big cancer weight on me and it's almost, I don't know, easy to put it into perspective when I'm thankful, especially if I'm volunteering and I'm helping others or I'm doing something else that gets my mind off of my own problems. Frankly, I think to myself, Oh yeah, you know, cancer is not all that bad for me to have to deal with. Emma said something like, "You know, you really need to be done with this." I said, "Yeah, but of all of the people you know,
1: I love when you say this. Yeah, that
0: is most capable of of getting cancer seven times and surviving, right? Yeah, and it's like, is that a mindset or is that fact? Well, if it is the mindset, it's the fact. Mm-hmm.
1: Counting your blessings, not your problems." on a daily basis is definitely a game changer and such a beautiful way to travel through life. And I love, Brian, that you shared that thriving tip. And that's why I feel like Garth, and we were gravitated to you because we're so in line with what we believe and what your company beliefs are and the way that you treat your employees. And we're just so thankful for you to spend some time with us today. It's been really enjoyable and we will have all of the links in our show notes so our listeners can check you out, read the hundreds of blog posts that you have and the videos that you have out there. And you really are such a leader in your industry. And we're very thankful to spend some time with you today.
2: Thank you very much. It's truly my honor.
0: Oh no, it's ours truly. Um, So one of the things outside of the thriving tip, we always share a napkin note that I've written to Emma Mm. over the course of the last 10 years or 12 years, or God knows how long it's been at this point. And I usually have to dig and find a note that has been written 10 years ago or whatever and find something that's appropriate yeah but oddly enough and again i didn't do this on purpose or maybe my brain was just purposeful in this way but last week i started writing notes about blank pages and writing and being creative and one of emma's favorite napkin notes was a quote by i think oh i can't remember but it it was something like you know if if there's a voice in your head that says you can't paint then by all means paint Mm, and that yeah. voice will be silenced, right? So I was trying to go along that vein, and so I found a, a quote by William Faulkner, and I wrote this on a note just last week. Mm. And the quote is, "Don't be a writer, be writing." Ooh, that's good. And I thought, okay, how can you know? I'm an napkin <laughs> note so dad. Fitting. How can I not write this for my daughter? So I do want to express our gratitude and thank you so much for taking the time today. I know that you're working about a thousand hours a week trying to maintain the fountain pen community and we really appreciate your time so thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts we'll make sure that put all the show notes in all of the links in the show notes and whatnot and i do want to say a special thanks also to tim beeman who's on our ones and twos he's the audio guy who's fantastic at sound editing our podcast and we will be back next week
1: thanks so much see you next time
0: thanks for listening Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com.
1: I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life, at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Darren and Garth.